people enjoy going away for their holidays, and it's exciting to see new places abroad and experience other cultures. And there is, though, that moment when you come back, the most enjoyable moment when you get to go through customs. You have to submit yourself for inspection so the authorities can judge whether or not you have the right to be in that place. So, you pull out your passport, that crucial document identifying you as a citizen of your home nation. Your passport announces that you have the right to enter that country. You have entitlement to be there. It states that you belong there and that nothing should hinder nor delay your entrance. We appeal to our passport then to show our legal right to be in whatever kingdom to which we belong. And that's only partially a metaphor, actually, because the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 3, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the question, then, that we have to raise about when we stand at the gates of heaven, where do we appeal for our legal right to enter as citizens of the new creation. And in some ways, the answer that is obvious and that you will expect is Jesus Christ. But in this instance, I want to ask more specifically, what particular work of Jesus Christ? Would we appeal to how Christ indwells us by the Spirit and has worked new levels of holiness in us as Christians as the reason that God should let us into heaven? No. Because that would be the same as approaching customs at Heathrow Airport or whatever major home airport is in your country and appealing to how much we love our country and already act like a citizen of it as the reason that we should enter. And the answer to that sort of appeal would be that that doesn't prove you have the right to be there. So, we need to look to another aspect of what Christ has done. And we call this aspect of Christ's work for us that does grant us the legal right and entitlement to belong to his new creation kingdom justification. Justification is not a change made in you, but something that God says and declares about you. As the Westminster Shorter Catechism tells us, justification is an act a decisive, once and for all, act of God's free grace wherein he pardons all your sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. It's about our right standing with our God then. 
And we're going to explore this doctrine of justification, looking at how this is Christ's work for you that ensures your eternal residence as a citizen of heaven. So the main point, main point is that justification sets you eternally in a right relationship with God and it can't be undermined. Justification sets you eternally in a right relationship with God and it cannot be undermined. We're going to think about that in three points, the context, the comfort, and the call. So, the context. So, right, keep your Bibles open, uh, because I've said that this is a sermon about Romans 5, 9, and 10, um, and I'm going to get there, uh, but we need to run up to that. So, Romans is largely occupied with Paul's explanation of the contents and implications of the gospel. The first three chapters argue that all of us stand condemned before God because of our sin. Now, Paul summarized this problem from chapters 1 to 3 in chapter 3, verse 20. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. In other words, nobody can earn God's favor. We do not deserve God's love, and sinners will not merit God's affection or blessings from Him by our deeds. End of story. Now Paul proposed a solution to this problem just following that in chapter 3, beginning in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness from God through faith in Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Justification by God's grace as a gift through faith is the answer to our problem of being alienated from God because of our sinfulness. Now, the lingering question here is that the context where justification is presented as the answer might still be, but what is this thing, justification by faith? I see the problem as I'm a sinner. I see the answer is justification by faith. What is it though? And so Paul in chapter four explained it. He wrote in verses two to five, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, His wages are not counted as a gift, but his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So, justification by faith contrasts with receiving a wage from our works. There's an odd problem... I think it's a problem. An odd problem in the world. 
that people tend to think it's unfair that God would save only people who believe in Jesus, as if that's an arbitrary rule. And they have overlooked the point of chapters 1 to 3, that every person has broken God's law. Under those conditions where we all stand as a sinner, actually fair means everybody goes to hell. So, nobody wants fair. We should just take fair off the table. Because we're not after fair. The wages we have all earned are eternal condemnation. So if we want fair, we get condemned. So we don't want the wages we have earned from our works. Instead, we want to pursue justification by faith. Now, how does this justification by faith work? All right, think back to when you were a kid. Maybe you have the similar experience as I did. And your parents ask you to cut the grass. Is that how they say it here? Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. So they give you a job to do. You've got to cut the grass, but you instead decide to go to the cinema. You know, though, that there's going to be a consequence for that. And, and sure enough, when you get home, you come through the door, there's mom and dad waiting. Two things are going to happen in that situation. First, you're going to be punished. Maybe you'll be grounded. Maybe you'll lose your allowance for a time. Maybe you don't get pudding, something like that. You're going to be punished. Second, though, you still have to cut the grass. You still have to do it. You, you had a job, and you still had to do it. Even though you failed to do it, you still have to go do it. Now, into this situation, your older brother enters the room, stepping between you and your parents, saying, Mom, Dad, I've actually already cut the grass today. And if my sibling here will believe in me, I want you to credit my works that they were supposed to do to them. And on top of that, whatever punishment you have in store for them, I'm going to endure it. And that, that is a great older brother, but it's actually exactly how justification by faith works. Because Jesus Christ is that older brother. We are supposed to be perfectly obedient to God, but we are rebels. And so God the Son assumed a human nature, perfectly obeyed the law that we were supposed to keep so that he could transfer that righteous record to us. And he died in human nature because we are all supposed to die because of our sin so that he could credit his death to you as though you have already paid the penalty. You racked up a debt you could never pay and Christ cleared your balance by dying in your place. 
And all you need to do to possess those benefits is to trust in Jesus as your Savior. The context is our need for rescue from our sin and Christ's work to secure that. And that brings us to our second point, the comfort. So this is indeed a sermon on Romans 5, 9, and 10, but I know I spent a lot of time leading up to it. It's important, though, to lay that groundwork in a topic like this, the one at hand, so that we're all on the same page when we come to this passage in Romans 5, which is about the results, the blessings that we have from being justified by faith like this. It it should be clear already that the primary result here is a right relationship with God. We're not condemned anymore, but announced as righteous. And as Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is this justification that Christ won for us and gives to us that sets us in peace with God. Until justification, God is at war with you. When we realize, and that raises some startling notions for us, because when we realize how big that hurdle of procuring peace with God, who should hate every person who breaks his law in the slightest because he is holy and cannot stand evil, when we realize how big the hurdle of procuring peace with that God is, then we can be left asking the question, why is this notion, this justification, does it do the trick? Is it enough? When we see all of the Bible's summons to live holy lives as Christians, we might wonder if our, our right relationship with God now that is constituted in justification is sufficient. And I think that is one of the reasons why Paul, under the Spirit's inspiration, wrote Romans 5 and began on the note that when we are justified, we have peace with God. And Paul, the ever-mindful pastor, was absolutely aware that the same kinds of questions that I just raised would trouble Christians throughout the centuries. And that is why after he outlined the effects of sanctification that sprout from the soil of justification in verses 2 to 5, he restated with boldest confidence in verse 6 that while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Even as we do long for increased holiness in our lives as Christians, Paul reminded us that the hope we have in Christ justifying us is totally separate from any measure of success we have in 
attaining holiness. Holiness is necessary for Christians. Hear me clearly. But it doesn't have anything to do with being justified. Christ died. Do you see the plain words? Christ died for the ungodly. Not for the good. Not for the sort of good. Not for the sort of bad. For the full-on ungodly. Which means, if we have fears about how bad we are, and if that affects our standing with God, we have to let them go. God's love shines in how while we were sinners. While we were sinners. Christ died for us. And now we finally come to verses 9 and 10, which is supremely doctrinal and yet immensely pastoral. You could not force a sheet of paper between Paul's deep theological point and his pastoral emphasis. Since, it's beautiful. If you, if you pay attention to the point and all the words, the logic of the sense. Therefore, we have now been justified by His blood much more. Much more. Shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Paul used these two much more statements that are crucial for every believer. If we think back to the the two questions, is justification enough? Does it do the trick that I've rays that are likely to plague every Christian believer, these much more statements show that justification does indeed clear the hurdle of reuniting us in a relationship with God because it doesn't rest on our being good, but on how Christ died for the ungodly. And further, justification is enough to secure our eternal life, no questions. Despite how we are often unfaithful, justification does the trick. And how do we know? How do we? Know? How can we know that? We process these words. Since we have been justified by Christ's blood, much more, much more, Shall we be saved by him from the wrath to come? While we were God's enemies, Christ reconciled us to him in justification. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Paul considered then the relationship of justification to eternal life and said that 
if we are justified, then it is even more guaranteed that we will be saved on the last day. We tend to reverse this and think that, well, I'm right with God now, but I'm leading up to the actual big event. But justification, Paul says, is actually the bigger deal. If God can make you right with him at all, right now, that's it. Justification is your entitlement to heaven. And so, right, if we're to connect this to our opening illustration, thinking, so approaching the custom gates of heaven, thinking that your, you, thinking that you or your good deeds actually are going to contribute something at the final judgment on top of your justification to secure your salvation is like approaching the customs officer and, and giving him your passport and your library card. Right? Although your library card may be fascinating evidence that you have participated in the culture, it's got nothing to do with your legal right to enter. The comfort is that justification is the unshakable reason that God will definitely give you eternal life. Which brings us to our final point, the call. So we've we've seen what justification is, and we've seen that it's unshakable. It's your legal right to enter God's kingdom like your passport proves your legal right to enter your home country. And we need to make sure, though, because this is this blessing set over here at the moment, we need to make sure we know how to receive this justification. We know that justification is Christ's perfect record credited to us and his death counted as our own. But now how do we receive it? We receive it by faith alone. Faith is the instrument God uses to link us to Christ so that Christ justifies us. It would be really mistaken to think that Faith, believing in Jesus, is a work that God requires that warrants a right standing with him. God has not substituted the requirement of perfect righteousness for the new and easier requirement of faith. That's not how it works. If you were drowning in the ocean and someone on a on nearby boat threw you a rope when you are pulled onto the boat you wouldn't thank the rope right you, you would not think that the rope warranted your rescue nor even would you think that your grip on the rope rescued you you would think that the person who threw you the rope, he is your rescuer and you would thank him because, right, because it is their works of hauling you out of danger 
that saved you. And faith is the rope. Faith connects us to Christ who saves us. It is the tool that God uses to link us to Jesus. So, and hear this out really clearly, in a very real sense, in a very real sense, you are justified by works, but not yours. But not yours. You are justified by Christ's work, which is credited to you by faith. So, the question then is, do you have faith? Have you taken hold of Jesus so that His perfect works that earn heaven and His saving death becomes yours? If you are not a Christian, then right now is the time to consider to be justified. God is the judge of the universe, and we will stand in his courtroom one day. If you are not a Christian, God will judge you guilty and condemn you forever. But you could take hold of Christ right now. And you could enter that courtroom already knowing that the judge has already declared you justified. The call then is to have faith in Jesus. If you are a Christian, you need to see the wealth of riches that God gives you in this blessing called justification. Some supposedly reformed preachers today will tell you that you're justified now by faith and finally saved on the last day by your works. And I don't think at this point that I have to make a detailed, profound argument I just want to ask, what does Paul say? Since we have been justified, much more, much more will we be saved from God's coming wrath. God has done the greater thing of putting sinners in right relationship with Him. So of course, He will do the smaller thing of bringing them into His eternal kingdom forever. This utterly free grace doesn't undermine our desire to be holy. If if we were bound in slavery and someone buys me to free me, my simple response is, what can I do? Christ has bought us and justified us. And so we do, as Paul said in verse 11, 
More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let's pray. Father God, we do indeed pray that you would help us to process this insurmountable foundation of our redemption. That Christ has worked a record of perfect righteousness and died to pay a penalty for sin, not for his own benefit directly, but to benefit others that he might credit those records to sinners that they might be restored in your sight. So we thank you for our glorious Savior. And help us, help us never to tarnish his glory by thinking we add to this by the silly efforts we make in trying to be better even by your Spirit. We do long for that holiness. We desire it. We want to be more like you. But help us to see that doesn't add, change anything about our right standing with you. Because that has everything to do with Jesus. So help us to love our Savior more. Help us to delight in the depths to which he went to redeem his people and help us to delight to be his people rejoicing and belonging to the Son of God and help us to rejoice in a way that shines his goodness into this world. We do ask these things in the wonderful name of Christ. Amen.